My name is Benjamin Pace, and you're listening to the No Content Podcast. And if you happen to be a duck listening to this, you're in a safe space. to the No Content Podcast. My name is Benjamin Pace. I hope you are having a wonderful day today as always. And uh, on today's podcast, I want to talk to you a little bit about fear. And I don't necessarily plan it out this way, but I feel like every time around this time of year, uh, the Lord ends up talking to me about the subject of fear. And, and one of the reasons is because, you know, there is a lot of fear emphasized this time of year and did I mean for that to rhyme Eh, kind of kind of I did I'll be honest about it but um, there's a lot of fear this time of year and something that um, you know I'm, I'm made aware of is a lot of times when something is emphasized and there's a heavy emphasis on something it's because um, you know there's a spirit behind that trying to manifest itself for instance, in the summertime, there's a big emphasis on pride. And I know that's a, a certain kind of pride, but at the same time, pride is pride. And it manifests itself in different ways, but it always has the same result. <laughs> you know, I've never said it quite that way before, but I'll say that again. Pride manifests itself in different ways, but it has the same source and it has the same result. And the Bible said that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit goes before a fall. And the same is true of fear. Fear has a lot of ways of disguising itself. Fear has a lot of ways of manifesting itself. And the enemy is very tricky with trying to disguise fear as worry, as mild dread, and as a playful thing, or a fun thing, or a personality thing. And the truth is, uh, uh, the Bible tells us that God has not given us the spirit of fear. So if there is a spirit of fear manifesting, without any religious constraints, without any um, legalist biasms, or if that's a word, is that a word, biasm? Biased? <laughs> I don't think that's a word. <laughs> Without any, uh, any legalistic biases about holidays, I can tell you this right now. God is not in the spirit of fear, ever. Now, there is a holy and a reverential awe of the Lord. There's a fear of the Lord, but it's, it's not the same spirit. It's a totally different spirit. And God has not given us the spirit of fear, but the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. So anytime that there's a spirit of fear manifesting, I don't care if it's in church, God didn't give it to you. God is not the author of that. The Bible did not say that Jesus was the author and the finisher of your fear. (laughs) He is the author and the finisher of your faith. And so I want to talk to you today about that. And I want to talk about fear. And the title of today's podcast, as you can see, is Be Not Afraid. And the reason why I wanted to call it that is because there's so many times in the Bible that you see that God or an angel or Jesus told people, Be Not Afraid, or Do Not Be Afraid. And he didn't just say, uh, Resist Fear. Now, we should resist fear, and if fear's trying to come on us, we do need to resist that steadfast in the faith, absolutely. But I want to emphasize this too, anytime God starts saying, be this, or be that, or do not be this, he's not just talking about an attitude or an emotion, he's referring to something in your heart something that's happening on a deep level. I mean, when God said, light be, it was. 
And these are empowering words. And when God says, be this or be that, when he says, be strong, be courageous, he is speaking strength into your core. And when God says, do not be afraid, he is speaking faith into the core of who you are. And there's a big difference between just saying, I'm, I'm resisting fear and being unafraid. What does it mean to be? Now, now, don't misunderstand me. We are to resist fear when it tries to come on us. And it will try to come on you. And you do need to resist it. But I want to emphasize to you this, be not afraid. Don't be afraid. What does it mean to be unafraid? It means when fear comes against you, you don't let it get in you. And you don't let it make you be afraid. <laughs> what I'm pointing out to you in this is that it's a, it's a heart thing. I will get to this in a little bit, but Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And the enemy will shoot arrows of fear at you they're called evil reports and he will shoot arrows of fear at you to try to get in you to try and get fear into your heart and here's why i'm saying this because we're not just talking about a feeling of fear trying to come on you and just because a feeling of fear tries to come on you does not mean you are being afraid just because emotions of fear try to manifest in you does not mean you have yielded to it. But once fear gets in you and it takes root in you and you begin to allow it to manifest in your heart, you are being afraid. And so when fear's coming against you, when fear's trying to get in you, according to the word of the Lord, we are to not be afraid we are to be unafraid to remain unafraid we don't let fear get inside of us it comes against us it'll try to tempt us it'll try to push us but we don't let it inside now i'm, I'm already preaching and i haven't even read a verse yet so let's go ahead and do that proverbs 3 24 through 26 says when you lie down you shall not be afraid Yes, you will lie down and your sleep will be sweet. Why is your sleep sweet? Because you're not afraid. Would being afraid try to make your sleep bitter? <laughs> not sweet, not good. Yes, how many people lose sleep because they're worried, they're dreading something, they're afraid. And they don't sleep sweetly. They don't rest the enemy is stealing the rest because of fear. He goes on to say, be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord shall be your confidence and shall keep your foot from being taken. Now, it's interesting that he, he emphasizes sudden fear because the enemy loves to take you off guard. He, he doesn't want to give you uh, 48 hours to prepare for his attacks. <laughs> the Bible talks about how he, he, he bends the bow in secret to shoot privately or privily at the righteous. Why would he do it secretly? Because he wants to catch you off guard. He doesn't want you to see him coming. He doesn't want you to prepare yourself and to hold up your shield of faith in, uh, in a preemptive defense. No, he wants to catch you with your shield down. He wants to catch you off guard. He wants to catch you at your most vulnerable. And this is why the Bible tells us to be sober and to be vigilant. For the devil walks around as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, if there's some he may devour, that means there's some he may not devour. And, you, and here, here's the thing. The devil can't just devour whom he wants to devour. <laughs> he can only devour those whom he may devour. And a lot of that has to do with you. But we are, are to stay alert. We're to stay sober and to 
keep our shield of faith up. What does that mean? Does that mean we're paranoid? No, paranoia is fear. <laughs> you can't be uh, covered in a shield of faith without being in faith. <laughs> and faith is at rest. He just said, your sleep will be sweet. So you're not losing sleep uh, looking out for the devil. No, this means you are always built up in faith. Keeping your shield of faith up has to do with what Jude says, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. This has to do with feeding your spirit, feeding your faith, exercising your faith. You're not letting your faith get weak. You're always feeding your faith. You're always building yourself up in your most holy faith. That's how you stay sober and vigilant against the attacks of the enemy. Amen. And that's a good life. If you're always in faith, you're going to be doing good. Because <laughs> even if it looks like things aren't going too well, you're in faith. Amen. Praise God. And so uh, that's what it means to keep your shield of faith up. And, and, and to be not afraid means from the core of who you are, you are not letting fear inside of you. We're going to get more and more into this. Matthew 14, verse 22, it says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side. And while he sent the multitude away, and when he had sent the multitude away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Now, now, <laughs> here's something I want to emphasize to you. He said the evening came, and he was there alone. Notice that Jesus was not afraid to be alone at night. <laughs> now, a lot of people, especially this time of year, would be afraid to be alone at night. But Jesus is not afraid. He was praying. He was spending time with his Father. And he was not afraid of being alone at night. Amen. Glory to God. And it says, But when the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. <laughs> and they cried out for fear. But Jesus spoke unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. Amen. So this is what I want to emphasize to you in this. Jesus came to them, walking on the water, and their first thought was, it's a ghost. <laughs> now, this time of year, there is a lot of talk of ghosts and ghouls and goblins there's a lot of movies about people being afraid of ghosts. Here's the thing. Jesus was not a ghost. And not only was he not a ghost, but he, you know, he was the opposite of anything they should or would have been afraid of. And yet the fear that was in their heart caused them not to recognize Jesus. Oh, come on. The fear that was in their heart caused them to be afraid at something they should not have been afraid of. And Jesus said, it's, it's me. <laughs> Don't be afraid. And this is one of the things I want to emphasize in the beginning here. One of the biggest causes of fear is a corrupted and wrong perspective. It's a wrong perspective it's seeing things the wrong way and in this case there was nothing to be afraid of and yet they were afraid because of how they saw this situation because of how they saw it jesus is walking to the to them on the water and they saw a ghost apparently they had been listening to too many ghost stories around the campfire <laughs> Now, the, listen, they had ghost stories back then, obviously. And this is what happens when you feed on things that are designed to inspire fear in your heart. It'll corrupt the way you see things. Uh, think about it. Somebody is at, at their house, and they watch a scary movie. And then the scary movie is over. 
and then they're lying in bed at night and they see a shadow on the wall or the tree scrapes against the window or they realize they're home alone and all of a sudden they're scared. Why? Because they just watched a scary movie and it put fear in their heart and it's affecting the way they see things. Now, should you be afraid of a tree scraping the window? No. <laughs> Do you need to be afraid of a shadow? No. And yet fear will corrupt your perspective. And a wrong perspective is what fear is. I, you know, my, uh, somebody I, I respect and look up to is Brother Jesse Duplantis. And he tells a story of early, early on in his ministry, he was staying the night at somebody's house. <laughs> and um, he, uh, he woke up in the middle of the night and uh, he said there was a ghost. There was a spirit at the end of his bed floating there. And he said he began to rebuke it in the name of Jesus. And he got up and he stood up on his bed and he began to pray in tongues. And he just was rebuking this spirit and the spirit wouldn't leave. And so he began to get a little bit concerned. <laughs> and he's using everything he knows. He's pleading the blood. He's binding. He's loosing. And this spirit is not moving. And he said he spent all night doing this. And, and notice that he lost sleep over this. He lost sleep. And, and he said just about around 6 o'clock in the morning, the light began to shine through. And he saw the ghost. And he realized that it was actually a raincoat that was sitting on a rack. And there was an air conditioning behind it. And every time that air conditioning would kick on, it blew that raincoat and made it look like a ghost <laughs> flailing its arms. And he tells that story. It's a funny story. But what does what is, what is that reveal? He was afraid of something because he didn't see it the right way. He was afraid of something that he saw from the wrong perspective. And the truth is, there's many things that people should not be afraid of. And yet, because they've allowed the enemy to plant seeds of fear in their heart, it corrupts their perspective. And this isn't just around Halloween time. This doesn't just happen from horror movies. Sometimes people spend way too much time watching documentaries and watching shows that inspire fear about sickness and disease in them so that if they get any little symptom, they, they assume it's terminal cancer. And this is a wrong and corrupted perspective. Now, there are terminal diseases out there, but if you have a right perspective, you don't have to be afraid of those diseases because you know somebody who can heal even terminal diseases. And this is one of the reasons why Jesus was alone in the evening, and yet he wasn't afraid. And yet you see the disciples see Jesus. This is their Lord and Master, and yet they didn't recognize him. Why? Apparently, they'd been listening to too many ghost stories around the fire, and it corrupted their perspective, and there was fear in their heart, and they failed to recognize something. They failed to properly see things the way they were. Now, this is true of recognizing God and what God's in, but this is true of anything. And there are many things that fear has corrupted our perspective and the way we see things. And here, here's the thing. Faith is seeing things from God's perspective. Faith is having a right perspective of things. It's seeing the world with God in mind. <laughs> it's knowing he's on my side. What, what did the psalmist say in Psalm 23? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. So here he is. He said, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Well, what's he saying there? He didn't say that there were no enemies around. He didn't say that he didn't see anything that was scary, and yet he's not afraid. Why? Because he knows his good shepherd is with him. So he's not afraid of walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And he's not afraid of the enemies that are present because he's looking at the table that God has prepared for him. You see, faith is a right perspective. And... That's what will eliminate fear in your life is seeing things the way God sees them. Amen. You know, we see this in Numbers 14. Um, you know, they went into the promised land 
that God had prepared for them. And he said, go in, it's a good land. And yet, the Bible says they brought back an evil report. But, but then it says that Caleb and Joshua had another spirit. Why? Because God did not give those spies that spirit of fear. But Caleb and Joshua saw the same thing that these other ten spies saw, and yet they had a different report. Why? Because they had a different perspective. You see, a, the report that you bring back has everything to do with your perspective. If you've got a spirit of fear oppressing you, then you're going to bring back an evil report. But if you have a spirit of faith, you'll bring back a good report. And it has everything to do with what you let inside your heart. And fear can be coming against you. Uh, feelings of fear can come against you, but you don't have to let it in. You don't have to let it get in your heart. And even if you have let it in your heart, you can get it out. We'll talk about that here in just a minute. But if you have allowed fear in your heart, and you have allowed the enemy to get fear into your heart, it's not too late. It's not too late. You can get that fear out of your heart. We're going to talk about how to do that. But I want to emphasize this to you about Numbers 14 and, and the Promised Land. Uh, you see that these ten spies, they said, uh, we were in their sight like grasshoppers, and so we were in our own sight. You see, the, their perspective, how they saw things, affected their ability to go into the place that God said, go into it, I got you, I'm with you. But they brought back an evil report because they had a wrong perspective. And you know, fear is an evil way of seeing things. It's an evil way of seeing things, but faith is seeing things the way God sees them. And so we got to answer that question, how does God see things well, if you read in Psalm uh, chapter 2, it says, uh, talking about people who are rebellious against God, he said, they say, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their courts from us. But he that sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Well, that tells us one thing about God's perspective. He laughs at the threats of his enemies. <laughs> That's a big part of his perspective. Why would he laugh at something? Because it's humorous to him. He, he's not just laughing to try and fool his enemies. He's not bluffing. No, God genuinely finds it humorous when his enemies try to threaten him. Why? Because of how he sees things. You know, uh, there's, a, there's a, a song that I'm thinking of. Some people may get this reference, some people may not, but the lyrics of the chorus go, If you could see like me, you would see you haven't won anything. If you could see like me, you'd see it's by my grace you're breathing. I won't, I won't say any more about that. If you got that reference, you got it. But God sees things the right way. God sees time the right way. The Bible talks about how a thousand years is like a day unto God. And, you know, the more we see like God, the less um, we will be impatient. And the more we'll realize that God's perspective of time is correct. But the point is, is that we want to grow in seeing things like God because that is what faith is. It's seeing things the way God sees them. Amen. And he laughs at his enemies. It's humorous to him. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about this, you know, around this time of year, there's a lot of haunted houses. And, you know, uh, <laughs> You go into those haunted houses, and I'm not recommending that you do that, but people that go into those haunted houses, uh, you know, there's a lot of people dressed up as a lot of scary things. And, you know, uh, depending on your perspective, they might be uh, able to scare you and to put fear into you, especially younger kids and things like that. You know, I'm, I'm thinking of something that I heard uh, Jeremy Pearson say one time, you know, he took his little girl to Disneyland and Ash, when she was a little a little girl she used to be really intimidated by that giant mouse <laughs> dancing around because you know he, he says this in one of his messages you know for all she knows it's actually a giant mouse he said but when I look at that giant mouse I don't see a giant mouse I see a starving college kid <laughs> why because he's got a different perspective well I would say the same thing about these haunted houses you know 
somebody may see a, you know, uh, uh, Jason Voorhees chasing him down, but if you have the right perspective, you see somebody just trying to make rent. <laughs> you know, they're you know, they're just trying to make it to the end of the month. They're just trying to buy milk. You know, um, now I'm not encouraging that or, or endorsing that, but I'm just saying that's the truth of the matter. And the truth is, a person who's full of fear um, sees things wrong, but a person with the right perspective will laugh. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? It's humorous. Now, I'm not recommending that you go into a haunted house. Uh, that's not my point in that. But it's just a right perspective. In fact, one time I was driving through a neighborhood and uh, I saw some inflatable monsters that somebody had. And uh, the Lord spoke to my heart and he said, Ben, that's, that's a lot of what fear is like. He said, the devil is full of hot air. <laughs> and he's always trying to puff himself up. And make people afraid of them. But you know, all you need is one little poke from the sword of the Spirit to, to deflate that thing. Amen. And that's what Jesus did. He used the word. And he, uh, he deflated the enemy's whole deal he was trying to pull. And that's all you need is just one little poke from that razor sharp sword of the Spirit. And uh, his, his whole thing comes crashing down. But a right perspective will put you in a position to uh, to be in faith and to resist fear. Amen. And, uh, you know, when you have a heavenly perspective, you lose your fear of death. I'm going to say that again. When you have a heavenly perspective, you lose your fear of death. Um, why would you not be afraid of death? Because you know what's waiting for you on the other side. Um, one of the reasons why Paul was not afraid to die, because the man went to heaven <laughs> and he was a, he was anxious to get back. He wanted to get back and, you know, he wasn't afraid to die. Why? Because he had a heavenly perspective. And, and what I'm emphasizing to you in this is that your perspective will affect whether or not you are in faith or whether or not you are in fear. Fear is a wrong perspective. Faith is a godly perspective. Let me read this to you in Matthew 8, uh, 28. It says, When Jesus had come to the other side, to the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce so that no one could pass that way. And suddenly they cried out, saying, What have we to do with you, Jesus, you son of God? Have you come here to torment us? before the time <laughs> it says now a good way off from there there was a herd of many swine feeding so the demons begged him somebody say the demons begged him they begged him and they said if you cast us out permit us to go into the herd of swine and he said to them go so when they had come out they went into the herd of swine and suddenly the whole herd of swine ran violently down the steep place into the sea and perished in the water. Now, what we see here is that these demons are begging Jesus not to torment them. <laughs> Listen, when you're walking in the anointing, when you're walking in the power of God, when you're manifesting the presence of Jesus and the glory of God, make no mistake about it. Demons are afraid of you. Now, they're not afraid of you after the flesh. But when you're, we you're wearing that armor of God and you're walking in that holy anointing oil, they don't see you. They see Christ in you, the hope of glory, and their response is the same. Don't torment us. Now, around this time of year, there's a lot of movies about being afraid of being tormented by ghosts and demons. And yet we see that the demons beg Jesus not to torment them. Amen. Here's the thing I really want to emphasize to you, though, in that passage. Torment is the inheritance of demons. I'm going to say that again. Torment is the inheritance of demons. It is not the inheritance of the children of God. And we're not supposed to live tormented by fear. That is not our inheritance. It's not supposed to be something we are living in. Look at this in Hebrews. 
chapter 2, verse 9, it says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. God does not want us to be in bondage to the fear and the torment and the dread of death. That is not our inheritance. We're not supposed to taste death. We're not supposed to be afraid of it. And this includes hell. Hell is not our inheritance. And we're not supposed to taste it. We're not supposed to be afraid of it. Now, people say, well, I don't know if I believe in hell. Listen, hell manifests itself on the earth. In fact, when people start yielding to fear and letting fear get in them and responding to that fear, that is a picture, not just a picture, that is a taste of the environment of hell. When people start fighting over stuff and hurting each other and vandalizing and cursing and forcing and doing all this stuff, that is a picture of hell. And listen, that's some of what the world's going to look like after we leave, after the body of Christ leaves. Why? Because we're the salt of the earth. And hell's going to manifest itself on the earth. And, uh, but that's not our inheritance. And we're not supposed to partake of that. He said he, he set us free from that. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not around that on the earth, but we don't have to let that get in us. And Jesus paid for us not to partake of it. Now, the same is true of healing. And yet, we still have to resist sickness and disease trying to come on us. But we don't have to be afraid of death, and we don't have to be afraid of the atmosphere of hell. And there's a whole thing in here I could get about about us not tolerating that. But the truth is, we're not supposed to partake of that. Now, let me, let me read this parable to you. Um, Luke 16, verse 19 through 31. Uh, he said, There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by angels to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Watch this. Then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Now, <laughs> watch this part. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Now, there's a few things I want to emphasize to you in this. Lazarus, um, I'm sorry, the rich man is saying this. Um, 
that if you send Lazarus back from the dead to warn my brothers of hell, then they'll repent. And Jesus, quoting Abraham, said, that's not true. He said, if they don't believe the, the word, <laughs> essentially, then they're not going to believe La, uh, Lazarus's testimony about hell. What's interesting about this parable is that he's revealing that if somebody rejects the word of God, don't think that they are going to receive some supernatural manifestation um, or vision or something like that because the word of God is the incorruptible seed. And, you know, the seed is sown on four types of ground that Jesus talks about. And there's nothing wrong with the seed of the word, but it's the ground that it's sown into. And so if the ground's not good, then the word's not going to produce in it. And so if the word won't produce, then what makes you think a supernatural manifestation would? And so there's a lot to unpack in that and to get into that. And, you know, on that note, I'll say this, and, and I'm not trying to be crude. I'm not trying to use a crude uh, terminology here, but I want to emphasize something because this is something that you, you, hear, you hear said in society a lot is, well, that just scared the hell out of me. <laughs> that scared the hell out of me. Can I tell you something? Fear will never get hell out of you. Fear will only allow hell into you. <laughs> That's the truth. Fear will never get hell out of you. Fear will only put hell into you. Does that make sense? But watch this. You can love the hell out of somebody. <laughs> Again, I'm not being crude. I'm not using curse words. I'm, I'm making a point to you. You can love the hell out of someone. We'll get into this in just a minute, but the Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. Amen. And so, you know, haunted houses and things like that, you know, one of the reasons why I would not encourage people to go to those places is because they are mock-ups of hell. They are trying to create a manifestation of hell on the earth, a fake version of hell but the thing is, even if it's a fake version of hell, the fear is real. Do you see that? Even if the monsters are fake, oh man, I'm getting revelation. Even if the monsters are fake, the fear is still real. And that's the thing about horror movies and stuff like that. Even if it's actors, the fear is still real. And that's the thing that will create the environment of hell on earth. Whether it's anxiety, whether it's, uh, you know, fear of death, fear of someone trying to kill you, or fear of disease, whatever it is, it's, it's torment. That's what it is. What did he describe in this chapter? He lifted up his eyes in torment. And we know that fear brings torment. And so... Well, we may as well go ahead and read that. We keep talking about it. <laughs> Over in 1 John 4, 17. Uh, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So being mature in the knowledge of God's love for you will give you a right perspective. <laughs> Do you see that? Why? Because if I have the perspective of God loves me, it's going to change the way I see things. Do you see that? And we see here that love is what pushes out the environment of torment. What's he describing here? Fear, torment. This is the atmosphere of hell. And I talked about, you know, not being afraid means not letting it into your heart, into your core. And the thing about that is Satan wants to get fear into you so he can create hell in your heart. He wants to manifest hell inside your heart. But here's the thing. 
the love of God will push out hell and manifest heaven in your heart. The love of God is the thing that will absolutely push out. And that's why I said, even if you've yielded to some things, even if you've let fear get into your heart and you have allowed yourself to be afraid, it's, it's not too late. You need to start feeding on the love of God. And love will push that fear out of you. It will literally push the hell out of you. <laughs> but, but fear won't do that. Fear opens the door to hell. But love shuts the door to hell and it pushes it out of you. Amen. Glory to God. Um, so here's something in Proverbs 26, it talks about how the curse causeless shall not come. It talks about as a bird is looking for a place to land, the curse causeless shall not come. In other words, it's like a plane with no landing strip. Um, you know, people talk about, well, well, there's Satanists who are cursing the church this time of year. Yeah, but the Bible says that what God has blessed, no man can curse. And the curse causeless shall not come. The only way any curse can land in your life is if you create a landing strip for it. <laughs> and how would you do that? Fear. Let me say it to you like this. Fear paves a landing strip for the curse. I'm going to say it again. Fear paves a landing strip for the curse. You know, I was talking to somebody recently, and we were talking about the difference between demon oppression and demon possession. And I was explaining how, you know, um, a, a believer, a Christian who's in dealt with the Holy Spirit cannot be possessed by a devil, but that doesn't mean they can't be oppressed by a devil. And I had an experience. I was talking to a woman um, in Texas. I was down in Texas for a meeting, and we were talking about the Lord, and she was telling me about her kids, and I ended up ministering to her and praying with her. And all of a sudden, she started to just change. Her demeanor changed, and she, she said, you've got to leave. You've got to leave. And as God is my witness, I, I felt something try to come on me when she said that. And she started talking about this demon <laughs> that's been oppressing her family. And she said, I don't want this demon to get on you. You've got to leave. And I could sense the spirit. And, but I just looked at her and something rose up in me. It was the Holy Spirit. And I said, ma'am, I am not afraid of that little punk demon. And I said, you don't have to be either. And I just started ministering to her from the word that she didn't know. It was real. But she didn't have to give place to it. And, and I, I could see how this spirit was gaining access into her life through fear. And the point is, is that demons, uh, curses, uh, can only gain access into your life if you give them somewhere to land. And they need fear. They need fear to be able to, to have a landing strip in your life. But again, even if you've done that, it's not too late because you can rise up and take authority in Jesus' name. Let me address this real quick. In uh, Job 3.25, it says this, For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. Now, <laughs> here's something I want to say about this. I think we've misunderstood this a little bit. Because I think to a certain degree, some of us have taken this verse to the point that we're almost afraid of being afraid. <laughs> We're being afraid of being afraid. Oh, no, no. Well, if I fear something, it's going to come on me, so I better not fear anything, and then it's going to come on me, but I'm afraid and I can't help it. So, no, 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 no. Stop. Listen, L let me say it to you like this Fear is a hallucinogen that causes you to see only evil and never see good. I'm going to say that again. Fear is like a hallucinogen that causes you to only see evil and never see good. It's not about, well, if I fear, then immediately 
I'm going to have all this stuff happen to me. No, if you yield to fear, and the more that you yield to fear, you won't see good. You won't see the good things that God is doing, and you'll only see the evil that the enemy is doing. What did I say earlier? He prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. But are you looking at the table, or are you looking at the enemy? See, fear causes you to turn around and look at the enemy, but faith will cause you to keep your eyes on the table. What did, what did he say in Isaiah 26? You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. Now, I'm mindful of the movie Batman Begins with Christian Bale, and I'm thinking about how in that movie, you know, the villain Scarecrow had this chemical that caused people to hallucinate with their greatest fear. And you see, even in that movie, that he was releasing this chemical into Gotham City and everybody's starting to hallucinate with their greatest fears. And what's happening? It's creating chaos. It's creating destruction. And that's a picture of what hell is like. And that's what happens when the spirit of fear is rampant in a town or a city or a nation. It's a manifestation of the environment of hell. But what's happening? It's not that there are monsters stomping around. You know, it's, it's not that there's a bunch of, you know, giant spiders everywhere. You know, it, what's happening is people are only seeing evil. Fear is overcoming them to the point that they, they are full of it. They're completely yielding to it and giving themselves over unto it. And it's, it's creating a hellish environment. But see, a heavenly environment, what is that? It's an atmosphere of love. It's an atmosphere of peace. It's an atmosphere of generosity and, 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 and an atmosphere of no violence and aggression. Do you see that? But it has everything to do with your perspective and what you see. Let me give you a scripture about this. Jeremiah 17, I'm almost done. Verse 5, it says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man, and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. He says, For he shall be like a shrub in the desert, and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, and a salt land which is not inhabited. But he goes on to say, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is in the Lord, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river. And watch this. He will not fear when heat comes. Another translation says he won't see when heat comes. You see the contrast. One of these people doesn't see when good comes. And this person who's blessed doesn't fear or even see when the heat comes. Why? Because of who his eyes are on, what he's looking at. Amen. Glory to God. And, you know, um, it's important for us to not let fear inside of us. Amen. Let me, uh, let me just mention this to you. I'm almost done here. Um, in uh, in uh, John 14, 27, Jesus said this, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled and neither let it be afraid. Don't let it be afraid. Don't let fear get into your heart. Why? Because I've left you with peace. So if he's left you with peace, you can have peace even when stuff's going on around you. Amen? Don't let it in your heart. Let me say this real quick before I leave. Um, Jesus told his disciples, don't fear them who kill the body and afterwards can do nothing to you. He said, instead, fear him who not only can kill the body, but has the power to throw body and soul in hell. <laughs> now, that's an interesting verse. But here's the thing I saw about that. He's talking to the disciples about persecution and about people persecuting them. And he's saying, don't be afraid of them you should reverence the one who not only has the power to kill them, 
but to throw them in hell. Now, here's some revelation. Satan is not the one who has the power to throw people into hell. Oh man, come on. Satan, you know, wants you to think that he's the one that drags people to hell and he's the one that throws people in hell. No, um, he's not the one who has the keys of death and hell. Satan doesn't have any power except what people give him through fear. But he, Jesus said, you should revere the one who has the power to not only kill the body, but throw body and soul in hell. Let me say it to you like this. Perfect love casts out fear of man. Why? Because I'm more concerned with the state of their soul than I am the comfort of my flesh. Do you see that? If they're persecuting me, if they're coming against me, I care more about their soul and the eternal state of their soul than I do what they're saying to me or doing to me in the moment. Why? Because I know I'm going to heaven, but I don't know about them. And I'm not afraid of them. I'm, I can't be loving them and fearing them at the same time. Does that make sense? I can't be loving them and fearing them at the same time. And so the thing I want to emphasize about that is that perfect love casts out fear. And when you have more reverence for God than you do for man, you won't be afraid of man. Why? Because you've got a right perspective. You've got a, you see things the way God sees them. You have a proper uh, weight and balance. The uh, Bible says an unjust, unjust weight and scale is an abomination to the Lord. Wrong value system, wrong way of looking at things. But when you see things like God sees them, you won't be afraid. You won't. Why? Because he's not afraid. And if he's not afraid, you know I don't have to be afraid. Something I like to practice a lot, when I'm tempted to worry, when I'm tempted to fear, I stop and I ask myself, God, are you worried about this? God, are you afraid for them? God, are you anxious or, or full of dread over this? And if the answer is no, which it always is, um, I'll say, well, Lord, if you're not afraid, then I'm not afraid. Lord, if you're not anxious, then why would I be anxious? Lord, if you're not full of dread, then why would I be full of dread? And that helps me. Why? Because he will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on him. He said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Amen. Glory to God. Well, this has been the No Content Podcast. My name is Benjamin Pace. I hope you got something out of this today, and I'll talk to you the next time you... Thanks again for listening to the No Content Podcast. Remember that Jesus loves you, He loves everyone else, and please don't forget to feed the ducks.